I know that video is pretty silly, but when you think about how we are as Christians, you think about what we do and how we act and how we operate, many times we don't take it serious enough with our faith, with sharing about Jesus. Uh, We'd want to make sure our lifeguard was trained and properly doing the right job if our kids were in the pool or ourselves were in the pool and we were new at swimming, but when it comes to being a Christian, we should be serious as well. We should have a desire in our heart to want to make sure that people know what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And so this year we're going to be looking at uh, talking about spiritual fitness is how we're starting out the year. And kind of our theme verse for this year is Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And so over the course of the next few messages, we're going to be looking at certain words that are in this verse and talking about each, each of these words. And the first word we're going to be talking about is want. And that's what I want to focus on today. And there's some other words I want to highlight today out of that passage or that phrase and uh, look at those. But the main thing that I want to get across today is having a want, having a desire for the Lord uh, to want to grow in your relationship with him, to want to be his disciple. And so as we look at the verse that we're talking about, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says this. It says, then he said to them, all whoever wants to be Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And so what we're going to look at is that phrase. And so some of those words that we're going to highlight is whoever wants to be my disciple. And so as we look at this verse, I want you to think about it through the rest of this year, how you're accomplishing that goal of wanting to be a follower of Jesus and allowing him to disciple you and how you're following him. And next week, I'll be talking about deny yourself. And then, of course, Pastor Mark's going to be talking about the cross and our daily routine, our daily devotion, and also following Jesus. And so as we dive into this, the first word I want to look at is really the object of that phrase when it talks about whoever uh, uh, wants to be my disciple, he's talking about the object or the thing that we're going after is discipleship. So discipleship means this. It means to actually uh, be a student, to be a learner, to want, be one of somebody that wants to learn from a master or a teacher. And that's our heart. Our heart should want, want to follow in that category, that we want to be a student learning from the master, that we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the things as I was thinking about discipleship, when we hear that word a lot throughout Scripture, Jesus talks about his disciples, and he talks about us needing to be one of his disciples, and if we choose to, he can disciple us. As I was thinking about the definition of that, I ran into this story about this young pastor from Zimbabwe who was later martyred for his faith. As I read this story to you, I'm going to try to take my time so that we can take his words in. As he wrote this powerful letter or this powerful note that he had left behind from becoming a martyr for Christ in Zimbabwe. It says, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be stilled. My past is redeemed. 
What a powerful statement. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, collarless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, paladins, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer and labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of my enemies, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the case of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must keep going until he comes, give up until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Wow. What a powerful note. What a powerful letter from a young pastor in Zimbabwe who recognized the fact of being a disciple of Jesus meant something. That's really the question that we're talking about today is, is being a follower of Jesus meaning something to you? Do you crave, do you desire to be a student of the master? A student of Jesus to grow and learn in your walk with him. That your passion and your want and your desire is there for him. So when you think about discipleship, let's think about this young pastor from Zimbabwe and his passion for the Lord that he didn't want to let up, quit, give up. He didn't care about being recognized and, and made famous or made popular. He wasn't concerned by all those things that sometimes we do in mediocrity. He wanted something legit and real. And that's the question for us. As we look out to our year this year and we make plans, we think about the things that we want to do differently from last year to the new year, the question I have, do you really want to be a disciple for Jesus? Do you want Jesus to teach you and lead you and help you grow in your faith? The next word I look at is my. It's just a powerful word, isn't it? As you think about it, it's just two letters, but it has such a powerful meaning. And in that phrase, 
whoever wants to be my disciple. We need to understand that discipleship is not about us. It's about belonging to God. It's about belonging to Jesus, that we're his, that we have given ownership of ourselves, not to from you know, keeping it and holding on to it ourselves, but giving it to Jesus and allowing him to mold us and shape us to become the person that he wants us to be, that we no longer belong to him. A powerful passage comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, part B. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so we don't belong to ourselves. When we're a disciple of Jesus, we're not making, we shouldn't be making our own choices and our own things. And I know so many times in my life, I want to make my own choices. And I'm like, God, you're too busy. Let me go ahead and handle this. I'll go fix it. I'll go take care of it. I'll do this. And we don't seek God's advice. We're not our own. We belong to him. We're his disciple. And so when we look at making decisions and making choices with our life, we need to make sure we factor in what Jesus would want us to do. When we look at the life of Jesus, we should embody the life of Jesus as a student. We should take on the character of our master and teacher. We should want to pursue the things that God would want us to pursue and do the things that God would want us to have. You know, in my reasoning as a young person, it was like, God, I know you want me to have somebody, so I'll just go and, and find somebody. And God was like, no, Eric, I don't want you to do that. I want you to focus on what I've given you to do. And sometimes the right thing that you think you deserve or you think you should have, and you're like, hey, I deserve this. I, I think it's, you're, you're, you know, it's, not a, it's not a big deal for me to have this, right, God? What we need to be understanding is that there's timings that are right. There's, there's opportunities that are right for us. And so we need to be seeking him because we're the student. And we don't know the outcome. We don't always understand everything. And so when we put our trust, we shouldn't be putting our trust in our own decision making. We should be putting our trust in the one that we know as our master and Lord and Savior. And that's Jesus because we belong to him. You're his disciple. The next word I want to highlight in that phrase is at the beginning. And this is the greatest invitation that we know, right? Whoever. As we think about that word, it's very prevalent throughout the Gospels that you can look at it and see that word in there quite a few times. In the Gospel of John, it's in there 26 times. And as I look through each case, it was a total invitation for all of us as Jesus was putting it, or the, as we're going to read here, uh, John the Baptist shared it, that it's an invitation for all of us to know and experience the creator of all things and for him to be our teacher and our leader, whoever Whoever, it doesn't matter what background you came from, whether you're poor, whether you're rich, whether you come from a prominent family that's notable or, or has known throughout the area, or whether you come from a family that doesn't know anybody. And it doesn't matter what kind of a skin color we have. It doesn't matter where our background is from or what knowledge or what wisdom we may carry or how, how our finances are. Whoever. Whoever, we have this opportunity to know God and have this relationship with him and to become one of his students. We have an opportunity to learn from the creator of all things 
the universe. It's an open invitation. And what's interesting, as we look at John chapter 3, verse 36, uh, we see this word play out. Of course, in John 3, 16, we hear the, that Jesus tells us, you know, that he, you know, that God, for, God so only, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Well, later on in that same passage of Scripture, later on in verse 36, Paul, or sorry, John the Baptist shares it. What's interesting about John sharing this is because he's sharing this at the time when his discipleships, his, he had disciples that started out before Jesus, and then when Jesus came along, he started losing disciples, and they started following Jesus. And some of his disciples were concerned and saying, you know, Master, you know, they're, they're starting to follow this portion that you pointed out, and they're not following you anymore. And John understood why. He talks to it, and he uses this illustration about the bridegroom. And he talks about the bride is meant for the bridegroom, and he, he was there. He was never the Messiah. He was never supposed to be the Messiah. But the bridegroom, Jesus, was coming to get his bride, and that was the people that were lost. And so he recognized the fact that he was supposed to decrease while Jesus was going to increase in his ministry, that he was there to prepare people's hearts to receive Jesus. And so in this statement, he tells his disciples that whosoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will, lose, will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Here's the interesting thing that we need to keep in mind is that there's a choice before us, each one of us. And it's interesting because, you know, as we hear about Paul and sharing about the knowledge about being a believer in Christ, we hear about why that is. But here John the Baptist is clearly defining what the choice is. And he's saying that if you choose Christ, you have redemption. You have somebody that stands in the gap for you. That's somebody that's going to represent you. That Jesus is going to represent the sins that you've committed. But if you don't choose Christ, if that whosoever doesn't choose Jesus, there's still the wrath of God upon their sin that they don't have any covering for. Jesus is the perfect covering for all of our sin. And so whoever accepts Jesus is atoned for. Their sins are forgiven. But if you stand here and you don't choose Christ, you have nothing to cover your sins. Nothing can be offered to redeem you. So why is it so important that we hear that word starting out, whoever? Because it's an open off invitation for all of us to make the most important choice of our entire life. And that's to choose the Son of God that died on a cross and paid a price that me or you could not pay. And that we can stand before God as clean and, and as innocent before God because of what Christ did. But unfortunately, so many people choose Whoever chooses this path stands condemned because of their sin has not been covered. And works and all the good things they can do with their life will never atone for their sin. And so here early on in John the Baptist is making a clear distinction about why we need to choose Christ. And this invitation is an important invitation to take serious in our own hearts, and our own lives, but it's also important for us as Christians to share this message, to let people know about Jesus, to tell people about why they need to choose Christ. 
So now we get at the heart of it. So we talked about whoever, the invitation. We talked about belonging to Jesus. And we talked about being a student as a disciple of Christ and, and wanting that and desiring that is what's next. Having the want, having the desire. So we're going to look at some Psalms. A great place to start with a description of a desire or want is looking at the Psalms. So making sure that we have the want, that we have the desire for Christ. And this is the challenge that I want to share with you today as you approach this new year. Is your heart, is your passion, is your desire for God the most important thing in your life? Is it the thing that you pursue without any question of anything else in your life that Jesus is the number one thing that we pursue with our life? Now, in the book of Psalms, we have these great letters, and they didn't have the knowledge of Christ at the time. But here's this passion that we see play out in our heart and life as we talk about. But first, let's look at the definition of want. To have a desire to possess or do something. It's a possession. It's, a, it's wanting to, to gravitate to something, to obtain something, to get after something. And this is why it's important for us to take note of that verse. If we really want to live this verse out, uh, whoever uh, wants to be my disciple, if we really want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then we have to have the desire in our heart. And you think about working out, and not that I'm an expert in that field right now, but I used to work out quite a bit, and I used to lift weights, and I enjoyed that. And I took it in high school, uh, weightlifting and things like that. Now, I've been, I've been swaying off that. <laughs> But anyhow, I do know that you have to have a desire. You can't work out if you don't have a first commitment to go do something, to change, to be different. And the same token with our relationship with Christ to be spiritually fit, we have to have a desire for God. We have to want it. We have to go possess it. We have to go and want it and desire it with all of our heart. Psalm 27 verse 4 says this, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him and his temple. One of the things I think that for us to really develop a good hunger, a good desire for God and a want is to take in the beauty of God. Take in his majesty. Take in his allness. I mean, you just take some time to go outside and when it's dark and look up at the stars in the sky and see the moon and just take that in. Or look at nature. Look at the animals that roam the earth. Just to think about the detail that's there. Just to see the awe-inspiring things that God has made and created. And you think about all the things that God put in line in the universe to make this one planet work. And if you think about the science behind all that and how everything had to be calculated out, there's a reason why no one has yet discovered a place like Earth. Because God made it in such a way for it to, it to exist. 
And if we were too close to the sun, we'd get too hot. If we were too far away, we'd be too cold. Our atmosphere is just right. All these things. Have you ever just took time to be in God's presence and just see his beauty and take in the beauty of God? One of the things that will help our desire and our want is to take in the goodness and greatness of God. Take in his beauty. Be in his presence. Surround yourself with moments where you can experience what God is about. Instead of worshiping creation, we should be enjoying creation because it speaks of God's great wisdom and his ability to create wonderful and mighty things. So as we look at taking in God's beauty, I think it motivates us to have this desire. And again, as we think about the miracles of Jesus, and this was the challenge that Jesus got upset with sometimes because people came to him sometimes wanting just a healing, wanting just a free lunch, wanting something for themselves. They didn't always appreciate who he was. Do you appreciate who God is? Because he's more than just a miracle. He's more than just something to fill your belly. He's more than just something that that will just get you by in your life. He's worth knowing. He's worth being around. And his beauty and his majesty knows no ends. And yet so many times we have the God that created all things And yet we push them to the side because we want to pursue our things in life and not really take the beauty and the majesty of God. Psalm 42, verse 1 through 2, it says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My God, my soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? This is the point where we're desire and our heart should be wanting God so much that we're thirsty. It's like you've ever been thirsty and like nothing else will quench it. And you go and you, you just have to have like a, just a cold cup of glass of ice water. At least for me, that's what I love. Cold, make sure it has tons of ice and just get it real cold. And that sometimes uh, is the only thing that will quench my thirst. Are we that hungry for God that we, only, we know that he is the only one that can quench our thirst? Like a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for God, that I want him, that I thirst for him, that I, that I want a relationship with God. And how do I get there? Because I think that we need to realize that there's only one thing that can quench that thirst. In this life, all these other things that we think are going to satisfy us, and we're all guilty of this, right? Thinking that this thing's going to make our life better, and that thing's going to make our life better, and this is what I need to make my, me happier in life, when it's really the relationship with Jesus. It's the relationship with God. As he says, the psalmist says, where can I go and meet with God? This is the seeking part of our heart that we go after and we pursue that relationship with him. Now we're going to look at Psalm 63, and I'd encourage you to look there. We're going to be there for a little while. We'll read one more psalm, 
after this. But Psalm 63, verse 1. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. Wow. I hope and pray that you have experienced the love of God. See, when I was a teenager, most of you know I had this bad relationship with God. I blamed him for everything that was going on in my life, and so there was real hatred for God. I knew he was there, but I just didn't understand why he let things happen to me. And why was I the one taking the brunt of the punishment it felt like in my life? And there was a a church camp that I went to. Actually, Camp Provida. And there was this drama, and it opened my heart. God's love just kind of poured in. And God was speaking to me and saying, Eric, Embrace my love for you. I love you. God loves you. And he cares about you so much. He sent his one and only son to die on a cross. If you needed a statement, the cross is the statement where he stretches himself out and he gives himself for all of us to say, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever. And he gave his life as a ransom for us and our sin so that we could be pure, so that we could be clean, so that we wouldn't have to take the punishment that we deserved. God's love for you is amazing. And as we see in Genesis and throughout Scripture, how many times do we as mankind run away from God? And it's us that's running from God. You ever notice that? It's not that God changed or God is different. God is totally continuing to pursue us as mankind, to show us that he loves us. But it is us, human beings, that hide or run or go away from the presence of God. God wants to be in your life. And the psalmist says it so powerfully because your love is better than life. Being loved by you, God, is better than anything else this life has to offer. Being in your presence is worth it. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. And one of the things that I think helps us to develop that desire more and help us to have that want is to give God praise. And a lot of times we think it's just to lift up the name of God, and it's not. It's oftentimes to help change our attitude because when we start being thankful for the blessings that God gives us, it gives us a change of heart and a change of attitude to recognize it's God doing things in our life that's helped us and guided us and directed us. And we should give praise to the God who did all this for us. And so when we lift up a praise to the Father, when we praise him for the things he's done, it helps change our mindset. Instead of a grumbling person, we become more thankful and cheerful because we recognize where our strength comes from. 
It's not in our own ability. It's not in our own power. It's because of God. One of the things that we also want to highlight here is that I will lift up my hands. And a lot of times we think about this just for music or singing. And of course, the Psalms are a lot of times just songs that were sung. But I think it's more of this attitude of lifting our hands to recognize that we don't have the power, that we're seeking a greater power than ourselves. That we're lifting up our hands, recognizing that we belong to God and that we're his. And our desires for him to come in and rescue us like a small child reaching out for their dad or their mom. It's us reaching out to God and saying, we're yours and we need your help. And we honor and respect you because we love you because you love us and you loved us first. Verse 5. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With seeing lips, my mouth will praise you. I will be fully satisfied. There's no greater joy than knowing and being with God. Nothing else will satisfy you like a relationship with Jesus, with knowing God and following him and seeking him, when your want and your desires for him, nothing else is going to satisfy that because you recognize what you have with your God. Verse 6, on my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling, I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. I'm terrible with that cling stuff, you know, that the Reynolds wrap stuff or whatever it's called. You ever try it? I'm terrible with it. I'll tear it off and it gets stuck and it's like it's a big ball. Like, try to help my wife out. I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> but do I cling to Jesus? Am I stuck on Jesus? Why do we, I mean, I know it's our sinful nature, but it is interesting because we know, we, are, we know this, and this is the reason why we have to, as Pastor Mark will work on talking about our daily routines and, and keep working on our, our, our spiritual routine as we grow and, and walk with Christ. Why is it that we, we take it for granted? Why is it that we take this, this opportunity that we have to be with God for granted? I mean, we can cling to God. We can hold on to God. We can, we can experience the relationship with God. Why do, we, why do we go and do meaningless things? As the pastor from Zimbabwe, this young pastor, had it spot on. He was like, I'm not satisfied with anything else. I don't care about all this praise. I don't care about being right. I don't care about all this other stuff in my life. I want to be with Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I want to cling to Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. Let's look at Psalm 73, verse 23 through 25. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take me into glory. Whom I, do I have 
in heaven but you. And the earth has nothing I desire. Can we say that? Can I say, and the earth has nothing I desire but you. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy the things that God has given us to enjoy. You know, we, I think we all have collections of things in our houses. But what do you really desire? What do you really pursue? What do you really want? The psalmist here is saying, there's nothing I desire but you, God. As we continue with that idea of that word, wants, when we think about that phrase, let's not gloss over this phrase of looking at these certain individual words. Let's take it in and make sure that our want and our desire is for God, that we want to grow in him. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23 again. And again, as we look to this year, I want us to, me and Pastor Mark would like to encourage all of us to kind of keep this verse in mind this year. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And today, it's an open invitation for all of us. Any one of you has been given an invitation to be a disciple, a student. Now you're not your own, you're his. The question is, do you want it? Do you desire it? And that's a question we need to keep in mind this year and the years to come in our life. Do we want to have this fellowship with God when we can easily get distracted by other things and paying bills and gaining things and having things. And you know, you think about all the things we collect over the years. Jesus is so right when he says, don't store up treasures where moths destroy and rust cause decay. All these things we collect, you know, we, we think, oh, I'm going to give that to my grandkids when they're older. And all these things that we have plans and these things that we think that we're going to be something that they're not. And it's like we can have these ideas that our family members will carry them years down the road and they'll probably be just sold for junk. The biggest thing is, is that you take with you, and I've shared this before, but the biggest thing you take with you is your relationship with God. And then you also take the relationships that you build over time in this life with others. I came into this world... I don't think too much about this, but I came in this world naked and I'm leaving this world naked, okay? I can't take anything with me, right? But I can take Jesus. And in any life I've hopefully touched throughout my years to help them see Jesus Christ, going back to this young pastor, let's just go through. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Again, but I do want to read part of it because I think it's, for me, a driving force for this message. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, 
position, promotions, paladins, or popularity. I do not have the right, have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience. I am uplifted by prayer and labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitant in the presence of my enemies, pandered at the pull of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. As we have this song of invitation, I invite you to come. And I want to make sure that you understand that Jesus has given an invitation to each and every one of us to know him. And as John says, whoever chooses Christ can be found blameless. But for whoever rejects Jesus, they'll still face the wrath of God. The choice is ours. God loves us. And all we have to do is confess that we are a sinner and say, Lord, I love you. Come into my life. And I want to live for you. And with that prayer, God will change your life, remove your sin, and you will be with him. And you can cling to him. Lord, thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity today to speak on your behalf. And as we think about Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and we look at our year this year, that our desire for you would be strong, that our want would be there to want to pursue a relationship with you, that we are the student and that we belong with our master, and that is you. So be with us today. Guide and direct our hearts. Help us to let our light shine so others may know of who we believe and who we put our hope and faith in, that it's not stuff that that we want in this life, in this earth, that we can only have and desire you because you are so much more and your majesty and beauty are immense and we need to take you in to our hearts and lives. Thank you. In your wonderful name I pray, Jesus. Amen.